What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast, and as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. For years, Penticton has been known as a laid-back vacation spot. Now it's struggling to absorb the shock of so much sudden violence. I woke up this morning to uh, three distinct gunshot sounds. Bam, bam, bam. Well, what's going on here, you know? Like, you know, is this guy on the loose and is he just, like, shooting randomly? You don't know, right? In all, two men and two women were killed. And welcome to A Million Other Choices. I'm your host, Kim. Southern British Columbia is probably most famous for the Okanagan Valley, which is comprised of five lakes, the largest being Lake Okanagan, the heart of Canada's western cottage country. The Okanagan got its name from the First Nations people that first inhabited the area. The lake itself was created by melting glaciers flooding the valley some 10,000 years ago. 
The area around Lake Okanagan is known for its beautiful and bountiful wineries and vineyards and attracts tourists from around the globe because of its beautiful scenery, the wine of course, and some come to try and spot the Ogopogo. Originating in Okanagan folklore, the Ogopogo is believed to be a serpentine-like creature with smooth dark skin, a large body that's thicker than a telephone pole, and being up to 50 feet in length. The first reported sighting was in 1872 by Susan Allison, and sightings have continued every few years since, with some grainy and shaky camera footage, and has been chalked up by skeptics as otters or floating logs. But today isn't about the Ogopogo. At the very southern end of Lake Okanagan and north of Skaha Lake is a community known as Penticton. Penticton in the Okanagan language means a place to stay forever. And with sunny skies, beaches, 80 wineries and 8 craft beer breweries, why would you want to be anywhere else? Well, Penticton also has the highest per capita crime rate of the Okanagan Valley and has boasted that claim since 2014. When rated by crime severity, Penticton unfortunately does even worse. Penticton scores a 200 on the crime severity index. In comparison, Vancouver scores 90. And Port Coquitlam, home of the Picton Farm of Murder, they have a severity index of about 40. The latest statistic was literally just released 18 hours before I started research on today's case, so it is definitely up to date. Penticton's mayor, John Vasilakski, said of the stats released, We can't do it alone. The police are doing their job, but prolific offenders and the catch-and-release system in place are hampering the city's efforts. Offenders need to know that there are consequences, and right now, they don't think there are any, and that has to change. Being tough on crime, particularly violent crime, has been a bit of an issue in B.C. with what many B.C. city mayors, including Vasilaki, call B.C.'s catch-and-release program. Bail is pretty easy to get, and it's been frustrating for police who deal with chronic offenders. For example, the B.C. Urban Mayor's Caucus, which consists of mayors from 13 cities, wrote a letter to the Public Safety Minister and Attorney General demanding action from the province. They provided statistics to back them up. In Vancouver, they said of the 40 super chronic offenders they identified, they each have an average of 54 prior convictions under their belts. But again, today isn't about crime stats in Penticton or super chronic offenders. I just thought that was interesting, and when I go down a rabbit hole, I like to take you with me. This is the Penticton Rampage. Cornwall Drive in Penticton is a quiet neighborhood filled with bungalow-styled houses and well-manicured lawns. It looks like any middle-class neighborhood where the residents take pride in their homes that they would have worked hard to enjoy, many of whom have lived in their houses for decades raising their children and then remaining in their homes well into retirement. And like many a street like that, there was that one person the one you might refer to in your own neighborhood as the enforcer of all bylaws. 
She or he is usually a longtime resident on the street over the age of 50 who is often seen looking through their front window with a scowl or out on their driveway raising a fist at any car going by topping 30 kilometers an hour. You know the person I'm talking about. We have one on our street, and fortunately, I've not had the pleasure of of dealing with her wrath, but the guy across the street from us has had his trailer towed numerous times, and I once actually got his snow removal notice from the city. I know this because when I went, when I got the notice that I had 24 hours to remove the snow from my sidewalk, despite not having a sidewalk, um, I called the city to find out what was up with the notice and to be told it was the wrong address and to give it to the guy across the street who does have a sidewalk and currently had a patch of snow about three centimeters, maybe by five centimeters obstructing his walkway. Anyways, Cornwell Drive had one such resident, a retired woman in her 60s named Catherine Britton, at 2429 Cornwell Drive, a small pale green bungalow with a manicured lawn, groomed bushes, and a detached single car garage. Divorced, living alone with time on her hands, time she spent at the Penticton Bylaw Office filing a variety of petty complaints. Welcome, this is the second floor of City Hall. If you have any bylaw concerns or issues, we've just hired a bylaw intake administrator. Here's Holly. So anytime you have any concerns or any issues related to our municipal bylaws, you'll come here to City City Hall on the second floor, or you can always give us a call or email us as well. Holly at the second floor bylaw department at City Hall had her hands full with Catherine. She filed about seven complaints over a three-year period, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but establishes a bit of a pattern with Catherine. Her complaints spanned from drifting smoke from a wood-burning fire pit to tree branches hanging over her property line and drainage issues, and each email and visit to the bylaw office was followed up with multiple calls for resolution. All of them were directed at the residents of three houses in particular— 2447 Cornwell, which was the house directly next door on the west side of her house, where lived Rudy and Renate Winters, a retired couple living out their golden years in their brown split-level homes separated from Catherine's yard by a fence of hedges. Rather than a high-maintenance lawn, they had opted for a mature Vesuvius tree surrounded by a garden of rocks with a few succulents. Rudy's nephew, Jeff, described Rudy as, quote, He's the most calm, peaceful guy you'd ever meet. If there was a confrontation, he wouldn't address it, end quote. Across the street at 2400 Cornwell, on a corner lot, live Barry and Sue Wanch, another set of seniors in a gray and brick house with a two-car garage and a driveway wide enough for three full-size cars. Theirs was a more sparse yard, less ornate with plants and trees. Sue and Barry had moved 14 years earlier to Penticton from a Soyuz and were the organizers of block parties. A neighbor, Wally Murphy, said of them, quote, They were probably the best neighbors we ever had. I knew where the tools in his garage were, and he knew where the tools were in mine. Another neighbor said, quote, They were both the nicest people you could ever, ever ask to be with. When we went over, they really made you feel like somebody, end quote. And next to them on the east side was Darlene Knippelberg, a 75-year-old widow. The front of her house is obscured by one of those 
Now, I'm not sure what they're actually called, but they're like a, a fancy hedge-like tree that you can trim into neat um, neat shapes. And a carport that fits three cars and enough room for a trailer or a camper top. I couldn't find much information on Darlene, but from her picture, she looks like a sweet, sassy little thing. Her late husband, Adolf, had gone by the nickname Nipper, and with a name like Knippelberg, I would imagine you'd have to have a pretty good sense of humor. When Sue and Barry took up refinishing old furniture as a retirement hobby, Catherine filed a complaint with the city that they were operating an illegal business out of their home. After that, Sue and Barry decided it was best to give Catherine a wide berth. Catherine claims that her neighbors were bullying her, and I just want to take a moment to discuss my interpretation of bullying. I know that bullying isn't restricted to the schoolyard. Adults can be bullies, and bullying behavior can be destructive and dangerous and have a lasting impact on people and their mental health and well-being. However, in it is my opinion, based on what I've read, which I realize is not the same thing as being there, that Darlene, the Winters and the Wanches didn't care for Catherine. I think that she was seen as a busybody and difficult to please and deal with. And when you behave that way, say calling the bylaw officer every time the ease troughs from your neighbor's drain onto your driveway, or when a tree branch hangs over onto your yard, it makes it difficult for your neighbors to feel good about waving hello or bringing you fresh baked cookies. And there were probably times when one or two of the neighbors told her to mind her own business or to lay off them. But when Catherine says that she felt bullied by her neighbors, I don't think that she was bullied. I believe her that she says she felt that way. I don't think that anybody should try and talk you out of your feelings. But again, and again, this is my opinion, I think that she had a that victim thinking that the neighbors were purposely trying to irritate her by doing petty things and rolling her eyes at her complaints. When in fact, I think that she was just someone that was very easily irritated by the actions of others. Now, full disclaimer that my opinion, not fact. Anyways, on the morning of April 15th, 2019, over on Lakeview Drive, which was about five kilometers south of Cornwall, Anthony Friesen, or Tony, was a local landlord of a duplex, and he was out fairly early in the morning. He had a window that needed replacing at the back of the duplex in the living room. And just before 10 a.m., he noticed that Rudy Winters, who lived at Cornwall, was pruning a small tree in the yard across the street. And he noted that that was a bit odd because Rudy had been over that Saturday pruning the same tree and everything had looked fine before. The 68-year-old resident of one side of the duplex looked out of his front window and also saw Rudy pruning the tree across the street. Tony went around to the back of the duplex and started on the window when shortly after he heard a strange sound like glass breaking or clashing. There is a commercial glass company nearby, so he assumed it was something going on over there. Carl Bartlett lived in the duplex, heard a bang or a clash, and then two more bangs, which he also attributed to the glass company. Diana McGregor, whose backyard has a view of the yard that Rudy was trimming the tree in, heard yelling and then loud bangs, and when she looked out of her back window, she saw a man holding a rifle and walking quickly across the street. An unnamed man in a car halted to a stop in front of the house where Rudy was now laying on the ground, 
shot twice in the back and once in the head, laying in front of his vehicle. A man walking with a rifle said to him, move on, the police will get it. He then got into a black VW Jetta and sped away. Police were called, obviously, and quickly swarmed the area. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans, a show about interesting and quirky human behavior. We bring humor, empathy, and warmth to topics such as relationships, dating, work, self-compassion, weddings, phobias, aging parents, travel mishaps, death, and many more. Ever wonder what happens at a cuddle party? We talk about it. Free-range kids in restaurants? We've got some thoughts. Bedtime stories for adults? We're on it. Light, fun, unscripted conversation and personal stories. Please join us by clicking the link in the show notes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The man in the VW who had shot Rudy then drove just a few minutes drive to the BMO or BMO Financial on Main Street. He got out of the car and went into the bank standing patiently in line at the ATM and used his own bank card to withdraw $200. He then got back into his car and drove a 10 minute drive over to Cornwell where he parked in front of the Wanches driveway. Again, he got out and loaded the rifle with cartridges before walking up to the garage door of their house and knocking. When Barry opened the door, the man shot twice and shot Sue standing behind him twice as well, once in the back of the head. Then he picked up the spent cartridges and walked next door to Darlene's house. When she opened the door, he shot her twice. The man then got back into his Jetta and with the sounds of sirens rising in the air and drove to the RCMP detachment arriving at 11.18 a.m., less than an hour after the first shot, and walked up to the desk clerk and said, I want to turn myself into police. I'm the guy that just shot four people. The man was 68-year-old engineer who had spent his career working in remote and underprivileged communities. He had been a good tenant for Tony Friesen since he moved into the duplex at 2012 and was described as quiet and living light with very few belongings. He had worked for a time at the city of Penticton and had met the mayor, John Vasilaki, who had been in a town council meeting when interrupted by the police chief about the situation. He described the man as, quote, a very gentle person. But the man wasn't known to have had a lot of friends and preferred to be on his own living mostly an isolated life. 
In his statement to the police, when interviewed, he said that, quote, there didn't appear to be a better way. I've destroyed a lot of people's lives today. The man was John Britton, the ex-husband of Catherine Britton, the busybody neighbor with all the complaints. John had added in his statement, quote, I did it 100%. She wasn't there. They, for reasons of their own, could not stop picking on her. John told the police that after their 2012 separation, which had been difficult for John because he knew the issues that Catherine had been having with her neighbors, and he felt a desire to help her, and as an engineer, he was a fixer or a problem solver. He had remained close with her and visited her house often, sometimes daily, as she was essentially his only friend. Their divorce had been finalized in February 2014, only two months before the shootings, And he would listen to her complaints about the neighbors, the tree overhanging her yard, the chimney smoke drifting towards her house, the water pooled on her driveway, mostly petty stuff. But Catherine had described Rudy as being a bully. He had said when he saw Rudy on the tree, working on the tree out front of the house, that morning he had just snapped and he knew that he had a solution. He offered no explanation for the $200 withdrawal. He described the people he had killed as making Catherine's life a living hell. The suspect in a horrific multiple shooting arrived in Penticton Court Tuesday morning, facing murder charges, three first degree and one second. Superintendent Ted DeJager told media on Tuesday he couldn't comment on what the man's mental state had been, nor could he say what was discussed with police when he arrived. At his first court appearance in June, the Crown asked for a no-contact order between John and his wife, Catherine, who remained silent on the issue of the murder and her neighbours. The Crown argued, quote, We're still in the early stages of understanding the complexity of the relationship between Mr. and Mrs. Britton. Even if the conversations are monitored, the potential damage may be done once communication is made, and monitoring won't prevent the potential impact on the integrity of the evidence. The Crown said that the order was being sought simply out of an abundance of caution. John Britton's lawyer opposed that application, saying that his client had been properly advised on how to be cautious with their communications. And he said that Catherine and John were aware that she might be called as a witness, but they were a very close couple who, despite being separated in their marriage, really relied on each other. Quote, they were supportive of each other, they are still supportive of each other, and Miss and Miss Brighton has relayed to me that she is isolated, she is somewhat a prisoner of her own home. She has no support in the community, and she does, does have limited contact with Mr. Brighton. He has corresponded with her, I think they had one telephone conversation. Sarah Young, who's the daughter of Susan and Barry Wanch, filed a civil lawsuit against Catherine. In the notice of claim that was filed on June 14, 2019, Young states that for an unknown period of time prior to the alleged murder, John Britton's ex-wife, quote, wrongfully and maliciously conspired with the defendant, John Britton, to commit the murder by combining a different by combining at different times for the purpose of assisting and encouraging each other in committing the murder. As well, she claimed that Catherine Britton was counseling, aiding and abetting John Britton. That case was dropped and there is speculation that there was an undisclosed settlement reached. 
John was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and one count of second. On the eve of the trial, which I don't understand why they always wait till the zero hour, he pled guilty and stood before the judge repeating the words guilty four times. In October 2020, when given a chance to address the court, he said, quote, To my ex-wife, Catherine Britton, I want to apologize for this. She had no idea I would have done such a thing. To the families, my next apologies. I am shattered and devastated for what I have done. I also apologize for the stain I have put on the name of the city of Penticton and contributing to the unnecessary anxiety of its citizens. I have no understanding of what caused me to suddenly lose all restraint and perspective, which resulted in these untimely and tragic deaths. The basis of this catastrophe was laid over the last 20 years through four successive workplace burnouts and major depression that led to deteriorating physical and mental health and a final mental breakdown. Tanya Steele, who was Rudy Winter's daughter, said in her victim impact statement, he took away my rock, he took away my sense of safety. She then turned to John directly and said, we know Catherine made you do it. You should just man up and tell the truth. John then interrupted and said, Kathy had nothing to do with this. You have no facts. To which Tanya then said, my parents are dead and that's a fact. Uh, When asking for a 40-year sentence, the Crown argued that looking at the methodical manner in which these murders were carried out, they have all the hallmarks of an execution-style killing. He knew exactly what he was doing and this speaks to the calculated nature of his actions. Tanya Steele, who again was the daughter of Rudy, told reporters that she wanted them to know that, quote, my dad was a really kind and gentle soul. He was a peaceful man who loved his family. Um, She also told the reporters that he had three grandchildren and many nieces and nephews who he had taken completely under his wing. I just want everybody to know that he didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve to die this way. Sarah Young, who is the daughter of Sue Wunsch, said of her stepdad, Barry, that he was selfless, he was helpful, he was kind, he was caring, he was fun, he was loving, he was buddies with Rudy, and they were just honestly great people. They were family people and would have had no part in any bullying. It just couldn't be further from the truth, and people need to know that. They were just beautiful parents and beautiful grandparents, and it's devastating. End quote. Now, after John was sentenced, Catherine finally ended her silence in a statement that was read through her lawyer, stating, quote, Miss Britton remains shocked and saddened by the actions of John Britton, whom she divorced in January 2014. Despite groundless rumors, she wishes the community to know that she never wished any harm to any of the deceased victims. She had no prior knowledge that Mr. Britain intended to kill anyone and never suggested that he do so. She was and remains devastated and appalled by these killings. The problems she had reported to the city of Penticton of two neighbors violating city bylaws were ones that she was dealing with through proper channels with the city. She never wanted Mr. Britton to be involved and never managed never imagined he could act as he did. Mr. Britton's actions destroyed the lives of the families and the 
of the victims and Miss Brighton's own life. She cannot fathom how he could ever believe that in taking these lives he was somehow helping her. That he did so thinking he was acting on her behalf is a burden she will carry her whole life. The judge at his sentencing hearing this week stated that she accepted as fact that no one, which includes Miss Brighton, had Britain had any idea that Mr. Britton would do what he did as was acknowledged by Mr. Britton in court. My client also is a victim of his actions. She has been terrorized and her property has been significantly vandalized as a result of blame for his actions being baselessly attached to her. She only hopes that with Mr. Britton taking proper responsibility for his actions and the court sentencing him appropriately, the Penticton community can begin to heal and that people, particularly the families of the victims with whom she deeply sympathizes, will accept that she had no part in his horrific actions. Catherine's home, where she still resides, has been vandalized a number of times, um, incurring about $10,000 in damages. Any allegations of her involvement or encouragement to commit the murders has never been proven in court, and she has never been arrested or charged for any conspiracy or charges as to her involvement. Obviously, the families feel that she was involved and encouraged John to do it, um, and the big protestations by John that she wasn't involved kind of look a little bit suspicious, but there is no proof. And I, I think that she was a complainer and that John wanted to fix the issues for her and that her complaints were causing him a lot of stress and he took the role of protector way too far. Uh, But that's just my opinion. I couldn't find any information on if Renee Winters still remains living next door to Britain. I highly doubt it. Um, Hopefully Catherine has found peace with her new neighbors. And that was the story of the Penticton Rampage. I've been looking for a story of neighbors gone wrong that happened in Canada. I mean, one of my favorite shows is Fear Thy Neighbor. And feuds I find are always interesting to me how grudges can lead so far to go to murder. I've I personally have been very lucky to have great neighbors uh, other than the lady that bugs the guy across the street, but she lives a block over, so I don't have to interact with her much. I think that she just considers our street as part of her territory that she oversees. Anyways, I will be back again next week with another case. Uh, I'm not sure when this break I keep talking about is happening, but sometime I'll take a break, maybe. As always, thank you so much for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.